water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Now the time has come for me to make my own choice. The time has come for me to take everything you've given me and do something amazing. And I know you'll always be right there with me. All in. You know, Justin, I felt like for a long time was coming. Uh, uh, you know, the pinky swear on Thursday, that was the bit. When he pinky sweared me, I was like, all right, we're gonna get him. You don't break, you break a pinky swear, then you know, we probably don't want you, so. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. This is Ben. I will be your host today as I'm now back after a three-week hiatus. Went on my honeymoon to uh, Southeast uh, Asia. So I'm not sure how much substance I'm going to be able to add today because I have no clue what's going on. But fortunately, I've got Sam with me to, to help out. But what we do have is the music and sound effects back um, as I am the resident sound engineer here for the podcast. It's really your biggest contribution. Yeah, it really is my only contribution. Uh, you see uh, Cody, Tully, and Sam are all in tech, so we cannot expect them to master any of the technical things that we do on this show. I'm an architect, so clearly that falls into my domain. Um, so fortunately, we, we've got the sound effects back today. Um, and then Sam has returned from the bottom of the Marianas Trench, where he apparently recorded the last show with Cody. Um, so hopefully the sound quality is a little bit better as well. Um, it I mean, was a long trip, but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, you gotta so, record. Uh, you know, we know you like to hear our crisp, clean voices on this show. Um, but yeah, folks, uh, exciting day in Clemson sports. Uh, we are here to do a number of uh, things, recaps today. One is obviously National Signing Day Part 2. We are recording this on the uh, the night of National Signing Day, um, Wednesday night, so you will be listening to this Thursday, Friday, over the weekend. Um, but a lot of exciting stuff to talk about there. Um, and then also Clemson basketball. Clemson basketball playing very well right now, even with the injury, the season-ending injury to Dante Grantham. Um, so a lot of things to look forward to there out of Clemson fans. Um, but among other exciting news, before we go any further, I'd like to, to mention something uh, that Sam would like to say. Sam, what you got for me? Yeah, I, last weekend while you were away in Thailand, uh, two weekends ago now, I actually got engaged. fiance Katie she's been shouted out a couple times before on the podcast for sports related things uh, but now it's a personal one well I would say it's about time um, we've been waiting for it there Sam uh, Sarah my uh, wife um, over Christmas was she was betting that you were gonna do it then and so she was constantly badgering me if I knew anything if you had done it yet and I'm like no I don't know anything from Sam leave me alone I don't really care um, and then I was, I was happy to see the, you guys sent me the photo while we were on the honeymoon. So that was, that was really awesome. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to Katie. I will say, Sam, one thing that is unfortunate for you, 
um, between me, Tully, and Cody, our ladies don't actually listen to this show. So we can get away with saying a lot more that you're not necessarily going to be able to because Katie's going to be listening. I mostly have to force her to listen to it anyway. So I think I'll be okay if I want to get away with things. Okay. Not well, this episode, though. Well, we'll see how that goes. Um, Katie, we'll see if you uh, want to do that. Um, but yeah, so we're here to talk about Clemson sports. Uh, we will start with football. Obviously, that's the big storyline of today. We're not going to go too in-depth um, into this recruiting class. If you guys um, recall on National Signing Day Part 1 in December, Cody and Quack and Tiger from Shaking the Southland got together and they did an in-depth discussion and look at who had signed up into that point. So they're going to plan to recap part two as well. They're going to go um, a lot deeper into what we expect to get out of these guys, uh, what positions they're going to be playing, where they project, what playing style, uh, whatnot, and when we can expect them to make an impact on this Clemson football team. So expect that from them. If you don't know who Quacking Tiger is, uh, he's a writer over at Shaking the Southland. He's probably uh, the best guy that you can get information from from a non-paying Clemson site who doesn't just get his information from other pay sites. The guy knows what he's talking about. He knows people, um, and he always has great information, um, not only game analysis throughout the football season, but also with some recruiting tidbits here and there um, all year long. So uh, I'd really suggest when that show comes out here within the next few days that you guys uh, go check out Cody, who is our recruiting guru here at the podcast, and then also Quacking Tiger. It's always a great episode. Um, but with that said, we're going to gush over the excitement of uh, this day of National Signing Day Part 2. The Clemson Tigers go and pull another five-star in Justin Ross, the best yep. player um, out of Alabama, you know, essentially from Alabama. I think Clemson fans probably leading up to this, a lot of insiders felt that Clemson had a really good shot. I would think that Alabama people were probably a little bit more surprised that Clemson was able to steal him out from under their noses. But I mean, what that leaves you with is, you know, Clemson now has taken the top recruit from the state of Georgia and Trevor Lawrence, Florida and Xavier Thomas, Ohio and Jackson Carmen, and Alabama and Justin Ross. That's incredible. And not to mention, they get the number one player from the state of South Carolina and Darian Kendrick. And then also the number two player, this is all according to rivals, ESPN will have slightly different rankings, but, uh, her rival is the number two player out of North Carolina and KJ Henry. So an absolute coup and all, you know, for a few of these picks for the Clemson Tigers, especially with uh, Justin Ross and Jackson Carmen um, from getting him from uh, Ohio State and Urban Meyer. So a, a lot of exciting, you know, Clemson fans should be really excited. I, I don't, Sam, I don't know if you felt the same amount of excitement leading up to this national signing day as we have in the past. To me, it, it seemed a little bit underwhelming, which is really weird to say because this may be the best recruiting class that Dabo's got in his tenure. Yeah, I think I had a similar response. I was not excited about today particularly. And then as we sat down to do this episode, I took a look at our recruiting class and sort of just sat back in awe. We have the top guy in six different states if you fudge the numbers and choose different uh, right. services to take the number one. Uh, first time that's ever happened which is pretty cool. And these aren't states to bat an eye out. No, this, this is, is the Southeast. The, whole, the, the whole, strong, yeah, the whole, everything Southeast plus Ohio. Plus Ohio and the very strong, the strongest recruiting grounds in the country. Yeah. Um, really. So, I mean, that's absolutely amazing to say that. And I think part of that tempered excitement had to do with National Signing Day Part 1 now with the early signing period in December. Um, but yeah, it seemed kind of slow, a little disappointing and, and anticlimactic. Uh, for some reason, and then all of a sudden you step back and take a look, and it gets here, and you see all these guys signing. You're like, wow, I mean, we actually did pretty well. And we'll talk about some guys that we missed on 
that may have some impact going down the road and it is kind of disappointing, but uh, namely Justin Ross and then Mario Goodridge to get him um, out of the state of Missouri. I think he was the number three ranked uh, player there, four-star cornerback. That was huge for the Clemson Tigers. So that's one area that this football team does need some, some talent and depth. Yep. Uh, another fun point on Ross, I think he makes this the 14th, I think I saw since 2004. We haven't had a recruiting class where we didn't have at least one four-star receiver. Uh, and we have Ross, obviously, with the five-star today. That continues that we trend. Had, so Well, we had two, we had two this year with, with Darren Kendrick. Um, but it's it's been like 15 years since we had a recruiting class without a four-star re- receiver in it, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And not to mention that, that Jameis Winston is the only top player from Alabama to leave that state in the last 15 years now until Justin Ross. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that that tells you what that really means, what Clemson was able to do. And it's, you know, funny, over the last, um, you know, maybe like three, four, five, six years ago, Clemson was recruiting the state of Florida pretty heavily. This year, we only pull in two recruits, um, one being the aforementioned Xavier Thomas and then uh, Mike Jones Jr., mm-hmm. the linebacker. Um, but what Clemson has, has done is they've really um, expanded their reach into different states. I mean, you see us going into Alabama now and being able to pull guys out of there. Um, Clemson has done well in Kansas. Uh, a couple years ago, pulling uh, big name guys out of there, yep. um, and then you see us go to Missouri this year. Then obviously Ohio got some guys from the Northeast. Um, so really expanding the recruiting footprint has been a key focus of this Clemson recruiting staff. And it, so no longer are you getting maybe like five of the top twenty players from Florida. You're getting the best player from each state in this region, which is huge and is paying dividends on the field. Yeah, it definitely is paying off in in talent levels. You can tell over the last couple of years, obviously we've made some deep runs into the playoff and it just, it makes it a lot easier to develop guys that are starting with a really strong base and getting that number one, number two recruit in multiple states every year is, it's fantastic. And, and all these guys are huge gets. I mean, at least talking about the six, five stars that we've, we've got on this roster. Now it's funny, I was a little bit uh, taken aback when I look at Georgia and see they had eight, five stars. Uh, that being said, you know, you go into Georgia and get Trevor Lawrence. That's a battleground state for a lot of football teams throughout Florida, Alabama, South Carolina. Um, and then you got Xavier Thomas out of Florida. He grew up a South Carolina Gamecock fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackson Carmen from Ohio. Nobody, in at least in Ohio circles, expected him to go to Clemson. And sure enough, Dabba goes in there and gets him. Uh, Justin Ross, we already talked about him from Alabama. And then, you know, K.J. Henry out of North Carolina. Um, getting Darren Kendrick from South Carolina. We don't recruit South Carolina very heavily much anymore just because the talent base is not there. We got the top two out of the state, though. We did. And so, you know, we're picking the cream of the crop. Um, and you know, things aren't just falling into this coaching test lap. They're doing the work. The Clemson brand is something now that is catching people's eyes across the country. And I wouldn't be surprised if you did not see Clemson start to expand its territory into places like Texas in the future. Now, do I think we get all the way out to California? Highly doubt it. Like you just don't see a lot of cross country, um, cross coastal uh, recruiting, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, you leave that. You know, Alabama can pull people like that. Notre Dame teams like that that just have a more historic uh, national brand than Clemson does. But with, throughout the region, even starting into the middle of the country, we're, we're pulling in guys. I mean, you get Isaiah Simmons out of Kansas. That's going to be a huge impact player. Um, Xavier Kelly, we're waiting for him to come on out of Kansas, but he could be a huge impact player for us. So. Again, we're not taking three stars from the state of Missouri or Kansas. We're taking some of their best guys. And you've seen Clemson in the national uh, football playoff picture the past three years. 
and that's clearly a result of that. Um, and it's only going to get better because, again, this could be Dabo's best, at least most well-rounded recruiting class. Another really great thing about the fact that we're pulling from other states is if you look at the top 10 to 14 recruiting classes this year, you've got Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, obviously, Alabama, Miami, Florida State, Auburn, and Florida. Those are all in the top 14. We took the top guy in each of those states, not to mention Notre Dame's in the top 14 as well, and they're pretty much in Ohio. Not technically, but they recruit heavily out of Ohio as well. Well, they're so, in Indiana, and we took um, uh, our possible starting quarterback. Yeah, Johnson. From, uh, last Hunter year. Johnson uh, from them last year. So. so we're taking things from our rivals as well by expanding outside of just Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina, which is helpful when you're trying to compete at a national stage. And, and let me go Let me go back to that. Let's touch on that. Let's touch on Georgia. I mentioned that they – had eight five stars. They lead um, in the nation on rivals with the number one recruiting class and probably across the board. Um, they get 26 guys, eight five stars, 15 four stars, only three three stars. I mean, that's a really healthy class um, that Kirby Smart got down there in Athens. Their average star rating is 4.19 compared to Clemson's 4.06. I mean, both really good. I mean, end with an average star rating above four is absolutely amazing. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about this. We debated about this during the national championship game of why you would pull for Alabama over Georgia. And my argument was is because Georgia is a more immediate threat in recruiting and in the recruiting footprint that, that Clemson has been successful in than Alabama is. You know, only a state away difference. But Clemson and Georgia go after those same kids more. And this does nothing more than the strength of my argument, I believe, after looking at where Georgia ended up this year. They had a phenomenal recruiting class. Ben, your argument's not wrong. We just don't like it. <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> He's very political. Um, said like a politician. Um, fair enough. Uh, but other than that, really, yeah, not a lot of uh, – Clemson was able to go into a lot of these uh, nearby states against um, schools they go toe-to-toe with and, and, and pull some guys out. So, yeah, very promising, just another exciting year. Um, so definitely, guys, you know, tune in uh, to hear QT talk, QT and uh, Cody talk a little bit more about the guys we did get. Um, concerning the guys we didn't get, Clemson was in it there to the very end. Really, I think only for Dax Holyfield and Trevon uh, Flowers. I think Patrick Sertain and Richard Gridge, you know, there was a lot, there was chatter about them recruiting mm-hmm. over websites, kept mentioning that Clemson was still in the mix. They probably had hats on the table, but I don't think, I think we've been out of it for both those guys, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. Dax Holyfield uh, ended up choosing Virginia Tech. He's a four-star linebacker. Um, I, I'm not sure where people had him. Um, I think it was kind of 50, 50 Virginia tech Clemson. Mm-hmm. This was a guy out of, out of all the guys that I think Clemson really missed on that, That's going to hurt because our linebacker class, uh, outside of Mike Jones was, was nothing this year. And the depth is getting a little bit thinner if you start to look at the roster. So this is something where you start to look down the road. It's not going to have an immediate impact next year, uh, but you look two or three years out. Uh, missing on a guy like Dax uh, could be an issue. Mm-hmm. Now, you still obviously have next year go out and sign a five-star guy, but you saw the same thing with Trey Lamar and you've seen it with Shaq Smith. You know, the best linebackers, number one linebackers in the class, aren't necessarily ready to come in and play that position. There are certain positions on the football team that are not conducive to coming um, straight out of high school and playing. A linebacker is one of those. You're essentially the quarterback of the defense, and we know how complicated it is in breadvittable schemes. So it takes a while for some of these guys to develop. Um, it's kind of the same thing on the offensive line, and that's where not getting Kate Mays is going to kind of hurt Clemson um, at tackle. Get Carmen at guard, but again, two different positions, even though Clemson likes to cross-train them. So 
again, there's great recruiting class, that's for sure, but Clemson still has work to do, and there could be some holes looking two, three years down the road if the next class and the class after that um, don't start addressing some of these concerns. Um, but hey, we really can't complain. Uh, number eight recruiting class in the country, I think it's like the, like the eighth year in the row that Clemson has been top 15. Um, not a lot to complain about. And again, the product on the field is fantastic, so we'll take it. And one last thing before we go here, I'm going to play a little clip from everybody from, uh, from the last podcast, and then Sam will pick up on the discussion on that. You guys mentioned, like, uh, during the last show, did you say, like, were you guys predicting two of two, or did you say, or two of four, or did you say? I know that Ben, ben months ago called that all four of them would be back. Uh, we all laughed at him, but he was right. Uh, I know he really just throws things at a dartboard and knows that something will stick. So we can't think of him as a prognosticator just yet. Uh, but you know, he was right on this one. So we got to give Ben a little credit. Yeah. Well, in regards to Ben, he got, he predicted the Hunter Renfro thing, uh, when he was a walk on and he converted to like, uh, the, the next big thing, or he got a lot of spring hype and, Dabo was talking him up. Ben said, this Hunter Renfro kid, it was kind of a joke. Well, Hunter Renfro goes on to catch like two touchdowns in the national championship that year. It's always kind of a joke, right? He just throws it out in case it sticks. Yeah. It darts against the wall, shit against the wall, whatever. It's some, whatever, things are sticking for Ben. Good, good for him. So I throw shit at the wall to see if it sticks, huh? Is that the official uh, podcast take from uh, Cody and Sam? Absolutely. I would somewhat disagree with that. Um... I know I predicted all four of those guys to, or, yeah, four of those guys to come back. Um, Mitch Hyatt um, at left tackle, mm-hmm. and then obviously the three different linemen in Bryant, Farrell, and Christian Wilkins. But I gave I gave an argument for that. Um, it, it wasn't the last episode I was on, but it was it was sometime I think in December or something like that of why I thought they would come back. And then after we lost the national champion or the the national semifinal. And that was because that I thought these guys love playing football too much. They love Clemson. They had a chip on their shoulder. They, were, they did not like how the season end ended. Uh, maybe the one guy that would be the exception, Kristen Wilkins, who could be picked high enough to arguably say, why would he not go? I think he just loves college too much that he wanted to come back for another year. And you've seen Dabo bring guys get back, C.J. Spiller being one of them. So I thought I had a good argument. I'm not just throwing stuff at the wall to see if it sticks. I just want to point out that on Monday in our group chat, you threw another thing at the wall to see if it would stick. Yes, but I did not make that public. I just made it public. And right? I qualified that by saying in all seriousness later on. So I'm, we, we see all of these non-public, air quotes, I'm doing air quotes, everyone, non-public statements that you then qualify later and or put on the podcast as they've been filtered down to more refined thoughts. We get the unfiltered version. So we're used to the, the shit flying and then you putting it through a sieve and, and using it later. Well, so, at least I have the strength to put it through the sieve before it goes public. I'm not like your Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, or Colin Coward who just yell, God. yell out things. Thank God. And if they're right, they take credit. If not, they never talk about it again. Yeah. So we, uh, we have to give credit where credit's due. You, you, a lot of your guesses do land, uh, but they are... Educated guesses, I would I'd like to say. Fair enough. Um, but, you know, you throw some stuff out there. You let it fly. And I'm right. So with that, let's move on to basketball. OK, 
Okay, the number 16 Clemson Tigers are 19 and four overall. They're eight and three, sitting at second in the ACC, Sam. Um, there was a lot of concern when Dante Grantham went down and for, for just reason. Um, however, they're three and one now since his absence and three and oh since the last podcast that you and Cody did. Yep. Um, so it doesn't seem to have affected this team as much as we thought it would. No, they've responded really well. Uh, it was a tough first game. Uh, to play Virginia right after he went down, which we talked about on the last podcast. In the next three games, uh, which wasn't an easy schedule, it was uh, Georgia Tech, uh, North Carolina, and Wake Forest, and we went 3-0 in those games. Two um, on the road and then North two Carolina on the road, at home. Georgia, yep, exactly. Uh, especially to a North Carolina team that beat us earlier in the year and a Georgia Tech team that had been looking great the couple weeks before. The one guy that stepped up tremendously in those three games is Gabe DeVoe. Other guys have had good games as well. Uh, but Gabe has hit five threes in each of those last three games and is averaging about 20 points a game in those three. Yeah, he's stepped up and played absolutely outstanding. Um, again, and I'll say it over and over again, I never thought that we'd see Gabe DeVoe get to this point in his career where, where he's playing this well when he's such a key part um, of the Clemson basketball team, but he is, absolutely. Um, between him and Marquise Reed now with uh, Dante Grantham out, you could have them in discussion as team MVP for this year. We'll see how things play out. But he's been playing amazing. But aren't you somewhat surprised that the team hasn't stepped back as much because um, with, with the injury to Grantham? Because you mentioned the last podcast before we went and had gone three in a row, uh, won three in a row after the Virginia game, you mentioned that you pegged him as the one guy on the team that we could not afford to go down. Do you still feel that way now after seeing this team play um, and go undefeated in the last three games without him? I'm really surprised at how we responded to this. Uh, I thought, as we talked about in the podcast the last episode, that he was a big reason that things worked for our offense and also for our defense. He was a huge matchup mismatch for most teams in the ACC. Um, but luckily, we've got some guys that have filled in admirably in his stead. Amir Sims has stepped up. He's had some really, really good minutes, especially defensively. Uh, he's hit a couple shots in some games. He still looks like a freshman at times and, you know, Airballs some things. The Wake Forest game was not his best night. Um, no, his 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 shot his selection shot comes is, and goes. is a little bit questionable, and it's it needs some work. But uh, he's he's confident in his defense, and he's out there making plays and and playing his butt off. Well, and that's what we need is we need confidence. Uh, we need for him to be uh, confident um, in his defense because we've got four of the guys out there on the court that are going to score double digits. And you never know when Mark Donald is going to go off for a Mm -hmm. 10 point game, uh, depending on how the matchups are there. Um, So we don't need him for his offense. We just need competent defense from this uh, young freshman. And tell you what, if not next year, you're looking two years down the road, he is going to be a force for this Clemson basketball team. Absolutely. We were talking uh, while we were watching one of the games this week, separately, the weight game this weekend. Uh, And I, I, he's my favorite. I love Amir Sims. He's so much fun to watch. He's a really strong defensive player. He seems to have his head on straight on offense. I think there's just so much potential. Uh, he's big. He's long. Well, that's a lot of pressure taken off his shoulders when he knows he doesn't have to be the guy on offense. He doesn't ever have to carry the team. His scoring um, is really negligent as far as his team success goes. He needs to plug that hole, fill in on defense, and do those things that you mentioned this, that Dante Grantham did, that don't show up in the box score, but really contribute a lot to helping this team win ball games. There's enough other experience and leadership um, in the starting five to really to cover what he is not currently capable of doing. 
Yep, and I think uh, part of the reason we've looked so good the last three games is obviously Gabe DeVoe has gone off. He's crushing it. Hopefully that continues. You'd have to expect there'd be a little bit of a return to the mean as the games progress, especially coming up against some Florida State games, two of them, uh, as well as you know some other tough games against Duke and um, Virginia Tech. But he's everybody else has looked solid as well. So I would expect the shooting to sort of suffer a little bit going forward. I can't imagine that Gabe will continue to hit five threes every game. I would love to see it though, Gabe. If you're listening, whether or go, not he's making it, him, man. you know he's going to have the confidence to pull the Absolutely. trigger. Absolutely, he is. He is one of those guys that is a, a true gunner. He's going to shoot his shots, and if they go in, he's going to keep going. And if they don't, he's still going to keep going. And good that you need a guy like that. You, I mean, it's like Steph Curry. When Steph Curry uh, for the Golden State Warriors, him or when he has a bad night, he's still going to shoot the ball because eventually one of those things are going to go in. And you never know when it does what that's going to do to their rhythm, and they catch on fire. Uh, Gabe DeVoe, that, that's what he was coming into this Clemson basketball team uh, four years ago. He was he was pegged as a shooter. Yep. It did not materialize early on. His, his shot just did not translate to the next level. Shooting percentages were pretty low. Uh, this year, a complete 180, and he's been amazing for this basketball team, not just since Dante Grantham went down. He's been whole year. pretty solid Absolutely. all year long. He, uh, he's been incredible from three, shooting over 40% from three. Uh, for the year after never shooting more than 33% uh, in his career before this. He's averaging 13 points a game. He's averaging uh, almost five rebounds a game. He's improved in pretty much every category. And it's been a really, it was a really positive surprise as well as Grantham's improvement this year to see both of our seniors step up after four years in the program and take that next step. Yeah. And don't, uh, just give all the credit to the players either. Brad Brennan and the coaching staff have to be given a lot of credit. Um, and, you know, as much as we've kind of um, knocked them before for lack of development with certain players, you got to give them credit where credit is due when you do see the development. And Absolutely. I think I think with both those guys, you really saw it this year. It's unfortunate what happened to Grantham. He was in line for a very good year. Um, he tested the NBA waters last year. It'd be interesting to see where he would have ended up after attending the combine this year. Um, but but one more thing on Gabe DeVoe. Is it crazy to think that he has a future in the NBA? Not crazy. I think he's one of the guys that would probably need a couple of years in the G League to uh, find his place in the NBA and figure out where he fits into a team. But any guy who can come out and shoot 40% plus, if that carries over to the NBA three-point line, has a potential spot in the league. And he's, he's not shy about it. He'll pull it from deep, too. Absolutely. He's got that Steph Curry uh, shoot-from-anywhere swagger. He's not, he's not afraid to throw on up. Well, again, like last year, two years ago, I wouldn't expect him to play in the YMCA uh, you know, adult league down the street. Um, and now to even talk about him playing professionally, um, again, that, that, that says a lot to his improvement. And, and what that means is Clemson basketball team is invaluable. Um, that's playing out on the court. Um, so that's not the only bright spot on this Clemson team. Again, we mentioned how well they've been playing. They've been ranked now for five weeks in a row. I don't even remember when the last time that has happened in Clemson basketball. Um, RPI, um, one of the highest in the country. Yep, fifth or sixth, I think, right now. Yeah. RPI. Absolutely amazing. Um, and they've been consistent all year long. You know, they're not dropping a lot of stupid games. You only yep. got four losses. Um, but the consistency has been the thing. Now, game in and game out, that's been a question about consistency. You guys talked about it on the last podcast um, about how they have been inconsistent from half to half. They'll come mm-hmm. out, have a really poor half. Yep. They did that against North Carolina. 
um, had a poor first half, really picked it up in the second half to make that close in Chapel Hill. Yep. Uh, Virginia was uh, the opposite story. They kept it close in the first half and then just went off the rails, couldn't do anything We're in the second half. We're not going to talk about that anymore. We're not talking about that game. <laughs> we don't play them again for the rest of the year until possibly the ACC tournament. Um, but let's look at the last three games that we've had since the last podcast. Have you seen that same trend, or is it kind of turning? You start off with the Georgia Tech game. Georgia Tech now, I mean, a road win in the ACC, no matter who you're playing, is worth, worth one and a half wins in my book. Um, but Georgia Tech still a middling, middle-of-the-road ACC team. Only won that game by two, but again, we came close in a lot of games last year. We're winning those this year. Yeah, the coaching down the stretch has been better. Players' execution down the stretch has been better. We're still a little bit inconsistent half to half. Uh, the, the UNC game, the second time around uh, at the end of January, was another example of that. We, uh, we won the first half by 16, up 16 at halftime, and then lost the second half by 12 and ended up winning the game by four. But we pulled it out. So Made shots in the clutch, and we held off um, a Georgia Tech comeback, which is huge. And Marquis Reed has been pivotal in a lot of these games. He's the guy that Clemson goes to down the stretch to, yep. to make critical baskets, and that's a guy that I would have argued is the one guy we can't afford uh, to go down with this Clemson basketball team. I still kind of maintain that. The other guy maybe being Elijah Thomas, although he's been kind of in an offensive slump lately, but I don't really see – we don't have a guy that really fills in as well for him. Um, but, yeah, the fact that this team – um, has been able to weather adversity and, and keep it together. They they look veteran. They look like they've been there before, and they, they just look like a solid, talented basketball team um, who isn't going to back down from a challenge, does not get that deer-in-the-headlights look when you know with five minutes left in a close game. I think that's the difference from the last couple of years. Uh, when we had adversity and tough games and huge leads or of, of the other team, huge, lead, huge deficits for us the last couple of years, we folded at times. This year... Uh, we've been down huge in a lot of games and always fight back. The Virginia game, an exception, uh, but you've seen it time and time again where people make runs and we make a run back. And to your point, Marquise Reed has been incredible. He's a great shot maker. He's clutch. Uh, if you watch the Wake game, they were talking about it during that game. In the last five minutes of close games, he's been far and away our leading scorer um, and shot maker. So he's... He's absolutely somebody that we rely on to to create late offense and to pull us out of slumps. Well, so let's move on into the North Carolina game. Um, this is one where he had another great game, 20 points, eight rebounds, five assists. Uh, he was solid, but then going back to Gabe DeVoe, we had five threes in that game, second game in a row, and he had that. Um, it was really about offense in this game. Um, higher scoring than Clemson would have uh, typically likes to play, but... I think after that first North Carolina loss in Chapel Hill, even though we got blown out in the, the first half, uh, the fight and the ability of the team to come back in the second half really had us going into this game feeling like that we should win. And lo and behold, they pulled it out. First time we beat them since 2010. You know, everybody gets caught up in the, we never won in Chapel Hill. Well, we had never won in this decade either, uh, anywhere. Absolutely. So that was a good win. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the second half of the first game against UNC, we won by seven. And the, the first half of the second game against UNC, where we beat them by 16, we played a full game against them and beat them by 23 points. If we can do that in an actual two quarters or two halves of one game, we can absolutely outplay that team. Uh, and that's sort of showing they're not as good as they were last year. No, it's and obvious they're slipping, but 
it's still a huge win for us, still a, especially as a pro. It's still a tournament team. Absolutely. I mean, it's still a tournament-worthy basketball team with a lot of talent on the roster, more talent than technically Clemson has on the roster. For sure. Um, so, again, to win that game, that team went in there. It was a close game, and they pulled it out against the North Carolina basketball team. That doesn't happen often um, for Clemson. So, good to see them do that. Turn it around. They go uh, back on the road to Wake Forest. Wake Forest, again, not a terribly good basketball team. Uh, they get a eight-point win on the road there. Again, common theme here. Gabe DeVoe, Marquise Reed have phenomenal games. That then, that two-headed monster combined with the defense, the, the better defense for this Clemson team this year, should make you feel really good heading into the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament is based on two things. Part of it's defense, how well can you play defense, but also your guard play. These two guards are playing really well right now for this yep. Clemson basketball team, and that's really exciting. That. That's the one thing that could push us past, you know, maybe only a first-round win to getting into the Sweet 16, possibly further beyond. Absolutely. Having a shot maker like Gabe and a shot creator like Marquise and a distributor like Shelton Mitchell, uh, along with our fantastic defense, which it has been this year, we're still ranked top 15 or 20 in, in adjusted defensive efficiency for Kempom. Um, those are the ty- types of teams that win tournament games. Uh, Cody and I talked about Virginia. They're they're the model to follow. Uh, And this year, hopefully, uh, we can actually take that and and turn it into something in the tournament and get it at least to the second weekend. It would be a huge accomplishment for a Brownell-led team. He's had some seasons uh, the last couple of years, as we all know, that were less than stellar. Um, So it would be great to see him be able to turn it around and take these guys, even without Grantham, uh, deep into the tournament. So some people might say that this Clemson basketball team lives and dies by the three-pointer. Um, they've hit 10 or more in seven of uh, the 22 games this year. Um, I wouldn't quite put it live or die because we haven't lost the games where we haven't hit 10. But what, is that somewhat of a concern in the tournament if this team goes cold shooting, uh, at least from the outside? Are they confident enough in their offense and in the offense in the paint and then also solid enough on defense to be other to weather a bad half shooting against a good basketball team. I hinted at it earlier with, with Gabe's uh, fantastic shooting in the last couple of games. I don't think that we'll be able to maintain this level for the rest of the season. There will be games where we have off nights. Um, and I, re- I think really why we've shot so many is that we do it well. Uh, it's part of the game plan. And I think if we go up against a team that defends the three really well, Florida State's going to be a good test for that. Um, and we, we start missing a lot of threes, it's going to be on Brad Brownell to see how, how we can respond and change tactics. We have a fantastic inside scorer in Eli Thomas. We have guys that can get into the lane in the three guards that we've talked about a ton so far tonight. Um, using them in different ways is going to be critical to overcome um, you know, a tough shooting night from outside. Uh, zone teams as well. You know, If Syracuse or uh, Georgia Tech or somebody like that has a good zone, uh, and they make they make us do something different. We need to be able to adjust. So I think we have the potential. The pieces are there. It's just a matter of whether the coaching staff and the players can make those adjustments to uh, to capitalize on it. Well, and that's an area where maybe the losing Dante Grantham does hurt because prior to that, you have five guys averaging in double digits, and it's very unlikely that all five of them are going to go cold exactly. in, in any one night. So that gives you an option, or at least one one or two guys are going to be able to to carry the team and, and score. So now you're down to four. Only, you know, we can't expect that Sims is going to be scoring in double digits. No. 
moving forward. So that is an area, you know, especially from a guy, Dante Grantham, is no longer just an outside shooter. He was scoring points inside this year mm -hmm. as well. So um, it could hurt us there, although, but I would have to say as a Clemson fan base, and especially for the Clemson team, you have to be, um, be really positive uh, about the things that you've seen on the court and the play without Dante Grantham there in the, um, in the lineup. Definitely. And another positive that we can take from games where we're not shooting well from outside is that this team shoots free throws pretty darn well. They've been amazing. Uh, Marquise Reed especially, he's up around 90% for his career in college basketball. So he's one of the best in the ACC, if not all of college basketball from the free throw line. Uh, that's we another just, thing that wins you tournament games. Is absolutely. Uh, we just have to get to the line a little bit more. There are games where we settle for outside shots and don't drive and get other teams in foul trouble. Uh, but again, it's another thing that we have the potential to do. So if it comes down to it, I hope that we can make that adjustment and uh, send guys to the line a lot. And that's something that the coaching staff has to be able to see and that they'll continue to drive into the player's head. And, you know, we're still in the middle of the ACC schedule. Uh, what do we have, seven games left? Seven, yeah. In the ACC. So yeah. still time to work on some things. Obviously, you have the ACC tournament. Um, but what other areas of improvement um, do, you, do you see? I know in the Wake Forest game, uh, Eli Thomas got in some foul trouble with some stupid fouls. Um, and the offense in the second half was bad. And, you know, just like we talked about, they weren't driving as much getting to the line like they needed to. Um, what else do you see as an Achilles heel for this Clemson basketball team that they should focus on improving on? Uh, I've talked about it a little bit in previous episodes, but we struggle against big guys that can shoot. Uh, the Luke Mays and the Cameron Johnsons, and uh, we'll see if Florida State's Phil Kofer can, can hurt us uh, in the Florida State matchups coming up. But tall guys that can uh, stretch it out have had some really big nights against us so far this year. I'm hoping that Amir's... Uh, agility can uh, alleviate some of that by being able to extend the defense out of th the three-point line against those big guys that can shoot and still defend inside. So that could be a positive of having it, him in there more. Definitely could be. Um, but our one-on-one -on -one defense uh, for the threes and fours is not very good. Amir makes mistakes at times. Uh, Scar is pretty solid. Gabe's undersized but does well with slightly smaller threes. Uh, Mark Donnell's one-on-one D is sometimes fantastic. Usually it's not very good, uh, but we have a really strong team defense. Guys help well, they recover well. So hopefully we can overcome that one by just really sticking to the program and, and having good, strong help defenders. Um, but it's definitely something if we have a, a player that goes off, it'll be because we can't stop them one-on-one. So one other potential weakness I see, and again, this ties back to the Dante Grantham injury. Um, you know, Grantham's a guy that can shift over to a guard spot if needed. Um, he, he can play guard and forward for this basketball team, and this, and this basketball team has more depth um, at their two forward positions um, on the bench than they do guards. And we essentially have three guards that we're going to play, and they're going to be on the court most of the time in uh, Mitchell, Reed, and Gabe DeVoe. Get into the tournament, you know, uh, Double by in the ACC tournament would be huge because you want to be playing multiple days in a row, yep. um, especially if you have a thin uh, core the guard position. Um, but even getting into the NCAA tournament, um, you know, in that second game, second game of the weekend, should you advance, um, uh, legs get a little bit tired. And being able to spell guys and having Dante Grantham being able to move on and play the guard position while you give one of your guards a break, I think that would have been hugely beneficial that you could bring in a Sims to take Grantham's position and give one of the three guys a break. Do you yep. see that as possibly being a problem? You know, it's maybe more of a thing in 
tournaments early in the season where you're playing three or four games, or if you're playing the ACC tournament and you had to play four days in a row, maybe not as big of a deal in the NCAA tournament, but I still see that as a possible downside. It could certainly happen. Uh, Clyde Trapp is still trying to figure it out as a backup point guard. And he's not going to give, he cannot be expected to give meaningful minutes in an NCAA tournament type setting. No, especially with the level of intensity that, that changes. Uh, we don't handle a ton of perimeter pressure as a team all that well. Um, it sort of gets us out of our rhythm offensively at times. So the guard play is going to be key. If, if somebody gets into foul trouble or somebody gets hurt or somebody gets tired and needs to sit, we're going to need to find a way to continue to keep that ball moving on offense and, and keep the offense in a rhythm. And it, it could definitely rear its head in high-stress, high-competition games. Well, all this being said... This is a very good basketball team. I think Clemson fans can expect uh, right now, personally for me, I expect no lower than a five seed um, in the NCAA tournament. Depending on how things uh, pan out, I can see as high as a three at this point. Before, I was kind of sad as in the four range. I can see us as high as a three. Um, I, I think finishing out ACC regular season play, I'm thinking three, four losses max on this schedule. Um, I would actually be pretty disappointed with anything more than three. That would put us at four and three with the seven games we have left. We have some tough games. You mentioned Florida State. We could certainly drop both of those. We have Duke at home. Uh, Duke isn't playing great. Um, I think that's a game that we should win. And then we have some road games, which are always uh, always tough in the always ACC. Always tough in the ACC, no matter what the opposing team is. Um, but we got Pitt coming up tomorrow night. That should be a win, no problem. They're at the bottom of the ACC. Um, so. Personally, I would be disappointed with more than three losses. Um, you could possibly see Clemson go five and two. Um, and that would put us what at twenty four and six yep. heading into the ACC tournament. And I think Thir- 20, thirteen and five in conference. Yeah, thirteen and five in conference. I think that has Clemson at a three seed. I think yeah. If you look at the projections on ESPN and other sites for the Somebody NCAA had us tournament, two. I think that was TigerNet. Well, uh, that was a story they linked. I don't think TigerNet themselves put us at two. But. Well, you know, they're going to find the good ones for us and unrealistic ones. Yeah. You know, it's shoot for the stars. Now. You know, I we got to stay positive. Um, but I think you're right. I don't see us falling further than a five seed in uh, the NCAA tournament if we don't completely implode for the rest of the season. And for the ACC tournament, we have a very good chance of being one of those top four teams and getting a two-game well, bye. We're number two right now in the league, I think, at this point. That would also be disappointing if we did not get one of those top Four seeds, and I'm I'm not saying that to to make it seem like the ACC schedule is easy. I'm saying that because we've seen this pl- game, uh, this team play 23 games this year. We know how good they are and what to expect. They're yep. they are a consistent good basketball team. They're not getting lucky in winning these games. They're, they're they're winning because they're better and they're more experienced. Again, they dropped a lot of those close games last year. They're not doing that this year. That's not a fluke. That's a testament to how good this basketball team is. So that's why I say it would be disappointing. I absolutely agree. Uh, we should definitely be winning three, at least three. Three would be disappointing. Four or five is more likely and positive, obviously, of those last seven games in, in the ACC regular season, which would put us easily at the two or the two, three, or four seed in in the ACC and give us more than likely a four, three, five, somewhere in there uh, in the NCAA tournament. Well, here I go again, throwing shit at the wall. I'm going to say we're definitely a top four seed in the ACC tournament. And that we're a three seed in the NCAA tournament. So 
I think the three seed is more of a stretch than the the top four. But uh, I, I gotta give myself to a, I gotta give myself a chance for one of them, right? Yeah, uh, uh, I would love to see that. All right, so you know we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, exciting year for Clemson basketball. Um, I know the fan base is super pumped. Um, we can tell uh, our listener uh, count on this show for non-football season is actually pretty high, and we appreciate that. And that's a that's a reflection of the basketball team playing well and fans actually being invested in interest. I like to think it's a little bit to do with me too. Uh, oh well, yeah, of course we didn't have Sam previously, so that that must have something to do with it. Katie's listening now, so that's plus one. Um, Nailed it. There, <laughs> bringing in viewership already. We appreciate that, Sam. You're uh, you're you're worth your your value is there. Worth your addition. Um, so before we get off the basketball subject here, let's. I know you kind of wanted to talk about the arc of Clemson basketball, especially under Brad Brunell. Tell me what you're thinking there. Yeah, I, watching the Wake game on Saturday um, for this weekend was sort of a, a watershed moment for me in, in how this team is being perceived. Going into that game, we were expected to win against a lower level ACC opponent, and the way we performed was as expected. It wasn't Clemsoning of old football seasons, right? It wasn't the ACC collapse of former uh, basketball seasons. We did what we were supposed to. It wasn't Oakland in the second half of the NCAA tournament. Exactly. Like, or in NIT tournament last year. Exactly. Uh, we're doing what we're supposed to as a solid college basketball team. And there are several people that are heavily responsible for that. And we've talked about one of them, Gabe DeVoe, heavily already tonight. But I think it's just, uh, it's really fun to see him and Brad Brownell have this moment in the sun where Brownell's a front runner for ACC Coach of the Year. Gabe DeVoe named ACC Player of the Week last week and carrying this team into the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Uh, Dante Grantham having a fantastic year this year before he got hurt. Uh, it's, a, it's quite a turnaround from the last three or four years uh, in Brad Brownell era, Clemson sports, Clemson basketball, we've made one NCAA tournament his first year when he With had pretty much per- entirely Purnell's team uh, and two NITs last year's uh, that you just mentioned. And in 2014, where we went to the championship and lost in the championship, the NIT, that was our best season in the Brownell era prior to this year. Sure. And, um, if you take it away, he has had no 20-win seasons, no 18-win seasons even. Uh, and so the fact that we are already to 19 this year and looking to end with 25, potentially, if we do well in the ACC tournament or get a couple wins in the NCAA, it's just – I think it's a really good story to see that turnaround. And one thing he has done well, or at least better than expected, is he is – Almost every year since he's been the coach of the Clemson basketball team, he has exceeded expectations for Clemson's ranking in the ACC, um, you know, based on what the sports writers predicted at the beginning of the year. I think, were we picked last or second to last? 13th this year. 13th this year, and here we are sitting at number two. And, you know, he hasn't had us up that high before, really, but he's consistently done better than what was predicted. Yep. Um, another thing that, you know, that got to think about this, uh, about Brad Brownell, he had success in multiple places Absolutely. coming into Clemson, but he had success uh, in mid-major conferences and yep. with mid-major teams. Um, playing in the ACC and coaching for a school like Clemson that is not one of the elite blue buds in the ACC is a completely different animal. And it's, it's, so he was a good coach before. He didn't all of a sudden stop becoming a good basketball coach when he got to Clemson, but it was a different atmosphere. It was a different environment. 
and he had to learn and evolve and adapt to that, and it's now appearing that he has. I don't think that his move to bring in transfers over the last couple years is necessarily going to be what he continues to do, his modus operandi, moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, if if anything, what it was was something to kickstart this Clemson basketball program to to give them um, better recruiting options um, as he goes out there and tries to convince people to come to Clemson. Now, along with that comes the facilities upgrades, which I think is going to help. But the more of the name that Clemson gets, and believe me, being good in football absolutely helps that too. Uh, I I think that creativity is going to bode well for Clemson moving forward. Maybe he continues to pull in transfers like that, and that's how Clemson needs to bring in enough talent. But I also think that with the success, you're going to see him uh, be able to open more doors um, on the recruiting trail and see him start to bring in better recruits. I hope you're right. And I think this year's freshman class points towards that trend, hopefully. Uh, he did bring in two transfers, or at least started playing two transfers. Scar was already with the program, but uh, brought in Mark Donnell as well this year. But our freshman class is looking to be uh, pretty solid. They should all be contributors at some point in their Clemson careers. Uh, Malik William and Clyde Trapp are starting to get a little bit more minutes since Grantham went out, filling in those gaps. Amir Sims is our starter now. Um, so it's it's a good sign for the future and for our recruiting trail. And, and you look at this team next year, you've got Sheldon Mitchell coming back. You've got Marquise Reed, Elijah Thomas coming back, Amir Sims, he'll be there. Um, and then you got Scara will be back as yep. well, in addition to the other freshmen that you talked about, you know, the big losses being Grantham, DeVoe, and Mark Donald. Uh, but this is going to be a really good basketball team next year. It too. should be. Absolutely. It's with, still with a lot of experience and it's still with a lot of leadership and a lot of scoring coming back. So, um, yeah, I mean, for the first time in a very long time, we can say the future actually looks somewhat bright. It does. For this basketball program. And D-Rad's patience, um, you know, at the behest of some of the rest of us, fans, myself included, in keeping Brad Brown now and seeing his vision through, looks like it may pay off. Yeah, he... He waited a long time. I know we were upset with uh, Brownell. We've talked about the extension that he got in the offseason multiple times, but it's uh, it's coming to fruition. His vision is here. Uh, it's a defensive-minded team with some scorers on the roster that are able to actually pull out some close games. Uh, he's bringing in more recruits now that hopefully fit that mold and are going to give him teams that he wants to work with and, and wants to build. So... The future is is looking brighter than it has in years. Well, before we go here, let's talk about one recruit we didn't get, Zion uh, Williamson. You guys, you and Cody talked about this on the, the last show, and I was a little off-put um, because it almost seemed like you guys were arguing for the reason why Clemson didn't need Zion Williams. Now, thinking back on that, are you telling me that this Clemson basketball team is not better next year with him on the roster? Absolutely I, not. Zion is the number one, two, or three, depending on who you're looking at, recruit in the country. Any team is made better by somebody of that caliber. Um, But programmatically, the future of the program and how it grows, Zion doesn't fit into the mold that we just talked about uh, with what Brad's trying to grow. So while it might be a one-year aberration for him to come in and boost us up to another level, uh, Cody and I talked about the recruiting boost that could or could not come from that. Uh, it might work in our favor to do to win a, a recruit like that, but generally, uh, we're not going to be the top of the recruiting class. Uh, the kid from South Carolina considered us, 
right? The best kid in the country is not going to come out of South Carolina every year. That's my point. Um, once a once a decade, once a quarter maybe, century. Yeah, we're not going to get that chance a lot of times. Would have been great to get him. Uh, we'll have to try and kick his butt against Duke next year. So and that's all I wanted to hear. Really, was it? You agree? It would have been. We would not have complained. Oh, of course uh, not. Obviously, no, no. Cody may have. Um, and I think what Cody did is he was actually a clever trolling. You know, Cody. Um, you know, the, the, the resident Duke fan, mm-hmm. we give him crap about this all the time, Duke basketball fan here with the with the podcast, also sounding like a butthurt Clemson fan and saying, oh, we didn't need him anyways. Um, so Duke fan, butthurt Clemson fan, uh, two people that we generally dislike very much. Absolutely. Um, so I think Cody was a little trolling there. Um, he got you, Sam. He, yeah, he goaded me into the, the thoughtful response. But I did like you giving him crap about Duke at my request. So Always. Um, I do appreciate that. Okay, well, that's about all the time we have for today. Uh, we'll wrap up basketball here. You know, looking at the upcoming games, we got Pitt, as we mentioned, um, coming up on Thursday night, tomorrow night. Um, don't expect that to be an issue. Um, if Clemson loses that game, that's one of those head scratchers, like, what are you doing? Yep. Um, but then really key games against Florida State and Duke coming up, two against Florida State. We got a, we got a home and home, and then we got Duke at home as well. Um, I think that's going to go a long way to really telling us what this team is made of. We haven't played the best of the best necessarily uh, basketball teams in this conference with those two teams still in our schedule. Um, you know, we've got the obviously the loss to Virginia. They're a top-tier ACC team. Uh, we have one loss in North Carolina. We do have the win against Miami, uh, which is big. But other than that, I would look to those two games really to tell us, to give us a roadmap what to really expect for this team moving forward in the tournament play. Yep, it's our. Those are our games against the other top tier teams in the country or in the ACC. Uh, so Duke obviously uh, is fantastic this year. They're not as good as some people expected, but they are still one of the best teams in the country. They're incredibly talented and uh, a scoring monster. Uh, Florida State also a really effective offensive team with a bunch of shooters, uh, and they can defend pretty pretty well as as well. Um, so it'll be a couple of good tests against Florida State and another one against Duke. Uh, I think we'll finish the, the regular season in the ACC strong and go into the ACC tournament with um, a, a positive outlook. It should be it should be fun to watch. Well, we don't get this excitement often uh, around Clemson basketball, so certainly cherish it while it while it lasts, at least as far as this year is concerned. But again, I think ex- expectations this year are justified, and disappointment. Um, at the end of the year, anything uh, less, obviously, than an NCAA tournament bid uh, would be disappointing. But I, I think, as Clemson fans, that it's reasonable to expect at least one win in the first round of the ACC tournament, if not two, depending on how um, the season wraps up. So I thought you were going to throw that shit further, Ben. I thought you were going to say the NCAA tournament. I would have been on board with that. Well, that's what I meant, NCAA. One you said ACC. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I think that, I think that's a reasonable both right. are reasonable expectations for this team. Yeah, and, and again, I think Clemson Nation agrees. Um, and, you know, that's not our fault for having high expectations. These expectations are set by what we've seen out of this basketball team. So either way, uh, congratulations to what this team has done so far this year and also to Coach Brad Brownell and how he has been able to push this forward this program forward. Clemson, not traditionally um, a basketball powerhouse uh, with a lot of uh, history, but that doesn't mean that Clemson fans uh, don't want to be excited about Clemson basketball. They really do, and I think you see that when Little John is packed when this team is playing well. 
Um, so that's all the time we've got for you tonight. Um, uh, remember, guys, uh, be on the lookout for recruiting uh, National Signing Day Part 2 wrap-up with Quacking Tiger and Cody. That's going to be coming out here in the next few days. Um, and as always, we appreciate every single person who listens to the podcast and who interacts with us. As I mentioned, our listener count is higher than it's ever been in the, in the offseason. Right now, part of that due to basketball, part of that due, of course, to you, Sam. But then also, I, I think it's just part uh, to the committed listener base that we've grown over the last few years. And we really appreciate that from everybody. Give a shout out to a guy we've done before, but also Daniel Alvarez on Facebook. You know, he's loving the basketball talk. So we want to we wanna hear more about what you want to hear about Clemson basketball. It's not just football. And we'll do it with the other sports as well. We'll do it with Clemson baseball. But uh, we love the interaction. Continue to hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us with your favorite podcasting app. Um, and iTunes, reviews, um, iTunes review is much appreciated and really goes a long way. Um, but again, so, you know, we thank you just for listening. But anything in addition to that, we really appreciate that as well. Um, and I promise not to leave again for, for three weeks in a row. And really kill the sound quality of the show and well that is until uh, my next honeymoon with my second wife um, sorry sarah see, see sam those are the type of things you can say and get away with on the podcast when your significant other does not listen you're not going to have that opportunity so avoid saying things that, that probably noted. noted unless you want to sleep on the couch um so again that's it for us thanks again for listening everybody it's a great time to be a clemson uh, sports fan football basketball and all around and with that go tigers Thank <laughs> you.